Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And Marcus, what's going on people? What's going on, Frank? Uh, not too much, man. Having a good week. Uh, we are back at it again, post-Marcus uh, nasal surgery, which was uh, successful, as I've just learned on the line here. Marcus, how you've been able to breathe now? First of all, thank you for not calling it a nose job, even though that's essentially what it was. <laughs> um, I had a septoplasty done. I had a nasty little deviated septum, but uh, I am finally able to breathe fully out of both nostrils today, Frank. I am happy to announce, and it's honestly made my Monday, so very happy about that. There we go. See, that's what we're all about on the Breakpoint Podcast, and now both of us have had nose jobs in our life. Uh, not intentional though, uh, for both of us. Uh, I <laughs> no. had my, I broke my nose and I had to get a rhinoplasty, um, or deviated. So whatever they want to call it, I had to get that done as well. When I was 10 years old, I had a baseball that hit me square in the nose, shattered, shattered the bone and I couldn't breathe, do anything. So full reconstruction. It was great, but you know what? Now I look like a model. So it all works out. Yeah, man, that nose looking <laughs> fire. Yeah, that's one way to put it. I did not get the Italian schnuzzle, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> <So>. yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> don't look like a Roman emperor, you know? Um, not yet. Oh, well, yeah, I should get a little, like, uh, what What are they? What are those called? The green things that's uh, through the hair? Oh, yeah, God. The laurel? The laurel. That's, yes. I think that's what it is. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah, the, I gotta... the, if you keep growing in that beard, you're right on track. Yeah, I'm going to look like Marcus Aurelius. I'm going to write my meditations down. <laughs> Oh, All right, we're getting favorite. off track. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Marcus, what brings us together here today is that we had a very interesting announcement from Alexander Zverev, and one that you have sort of known for a few years. Both of us have known for a few years. Uh, you have like particular insight into it, and that's sort of why you were able to very easily tell what was wrong with him, um, or rather what he's dealing with, I should say. So Yesterday or two days ago, depending on whenever we're going to air this, uh, Alexander Zverev announced that he is setting up a foundation, the Alexander Zverev Foundation, particularly focused on diabetes for those dealing with type 1 diabetes and for promoting a healthy lifestyle to prevent type 2 diabetes. And I'll sort of let Marcus talk more about like the differences between the two and, and you know, everything. But uh, fortunately for us here on Breakpoint Podcast, we do have somebody who lives with type 1 diabetes, and that is our very own Marcus Smith. So he's going to give uh, his thoughts, what it's been like to, you know, be a tennis player while having that. And I think what he'll he'll sort of highlight for you all how incredible it is that Zverev is able to compete at this high of a level while having type 1 diabetes. I think that's like quite the athletic achievement that he's got going on. Yeah, for sure. And again, as Frank just mentioned, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm a type 1 diabetic myself. I was diagnosed uh, actually coming up on three years, Frank, um, that I've had it. Uh, and, and just for people so that people know out there, and I didn't know this when I was diagnosed either, but the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes is extremely different. Um, type 2 diabetes is generally your body still can produce insulin, but it's very insulin resistant. So that means if you're eating and taking a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar, uh, and you're not really leading an active, healthy lifestyle, if you're kind of, quote unquote, like a couch potato or, you know, that sort of thing, you're going to have a lot of sugar building up your blood that way. Um, and a lot of Americans suffer from that. 
And that's a whole nother discussion just because of the little bit of lack of extra activity here in the States and maybe due to a little bit uh, too much access to sugary and, um, you know, carb loaded foods. So that's type two. Uh, what Sverev and, and myself are dealing with is called type one diabetes. So type one is basically, it can be genetic, it can be also environmental, but essentially uh, your body stops producing insulin altogether. There's nothing that you can do about it. The only way to honestly continue living uh, is to be taking insulin uh, externally or subcutaneously. So that's what I do every single day of my life. That's what Sverev and also millions and millions of other type 1 diabetics on this planet do. That's that's just a fair background of what we're dealing with here. So I, I, I've seen some comments online already, Frank, about, you know, oh, how could maybe he got it because he ate too many cookies when he was a kid or he just, you know, he wasn't eating healthy. No, it's a bunch of baloney that has nothing to do with it, unfortunately. Um, it's just a genetic kind of disorder where your immune system starts attacking your own pancreas. So just want to make that clear. Uh, and in terms of how he's able to play tennis at this high of a level, Frank, it's honestly quite amazing. Um, I found out through a little bit of research a couple of years ago that he was diabetic. I saw some things online. I was like, wait, that doesn't really check out. I saw that he wears the same uh, continuous glucose monitor, which I'm sure he's going to be a little bit more open about. He generally puts it on his upper buttocks so that he can hide it a little bit better. Uh, and he takes insulin pens. He doesn't use a pump, which is why you're not able to uh, directly see that he's a diabetic. So he was pretty discreet about it for a few years. Um, read an article yesterday that said he was basically kind of afraid to come out about it. It is a little bit of a jarring thing to talk about, Frank. Um, I mean, you absolutely flamed me as a joke when we first went into a Yankee game when I came out with diabetes. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's a very difficult disease to play with. Basically, you know, Zverev has to constantly monitor his blood sugar. Um, he's got to keep it within a certain range uh, all the time, essentially, in order to perform at his highest. Um, this is not something that's extremely easy. Back in the day when he got diagnosed when he was four, so probably about the first 10 years of his life, he had to deal with this without a continuous glucose monitor, which for you, for those of you who don't know, and I know I'm talking a lot, but I, I think this information is relatively valid um, as it pertains to Sverev. A continuous glucose monitor is essentially a little knot monitor with a little needle that goes under a layer of skin and into a layer of fat into your uh, on your body, um, and it measures every five minutes your glucose based on fluids running through a sublevel of your skin. Um, it's a lot better than having to prick your finger, uh, which is what most diabetics do. Um, so it's a little bit more helpful that way. He can check it on his phone or on his Dexcom receiver device, which was the forefront of the controversy in 2019, Frank, when he's playing that match against Stefano Tsitsipas. Uh, ben Rothenberg, the famous tennis journalist, uh, kind of outed him there. He was not checking phone. He was simply checking his blood sugar on the device right here um, that I'm showing to Frank in my hand. I have it as well. Um, so he's got to keep monitor of he's got to keep track of that. He's got to make sure that he's eating the right amount of carbs. He's got to make sure he's taking the right amount of insulin so that he doesn't have a high or low blood sugar event during a match. Type one diabetics on average make 180 decisions a day on what to do, whether or not what's to eat, or how much insulin do I give myself? Do I go for this walk? Uh, if I'm about to play tennis in an hour, how much do I have to eat? Um, there, there's so many factors involved in this and for him to be not only just, you know, a world-class athlete, but the number two tennis player in the world with this disease is honestly just quite, it's honestly incredible. And, and I think it's great that he's opening up this foundation. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a side of Zverev that 
the tennis community could really stand to take in a little bit, considering some of the other controversies about him that, you know, we won't get into on this podcast because still some stuff outstanding. But yeah, I think this is this is a really this is a really good thing that he's doing. And I'm very happy for him that he has decided to do it. I think it also, you know, as somebody who is not type one diabetic in any way, but you know, when you sort of explain to me how it works and like the things that you have to do to maintain like being alive, quite honestly, it really sort of puts into perspective how amazing it is that Zverev is doing what he's doing. Like that is phenomenal. And not only that, but it also, I think, highlights why sometimes this guy does have like this dip in form where like he'll absolutely pummel someone for like a set or two. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, love six, love six. And it's like, oh, his blood sugar's like dying. That's that's why that's that's I'm sure that's not all of it. But like, that is almost certainly a part of it. And like, that's something that you always highlight to me whenever we watch him is that like, you're like blood sugar failing, falling, can see he's slowing down like X, Y, Z, like, you know, whatever observation you have. So it's it's a big deal and i'm I'm happy that he's setting up the foundation i think that's great i'm happy that he's coming out with it i think he's going to receive nothing but positive support for it so that's great and uh you know i i hope that he can sort of highlight some of the you know misconceptions like marcus pointed out here about type 1 diabetes and and you know what it's like to live with it and and that's all uh super important so like i said just very happy that he is um, that he's doing this, uh, Marcus. Another thing that I think would be pretty uh, interesting for our viewers to sort of, or listeners rather, to know is how did you find out that you were a type one diabetic? Like, what's that story for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I personally found out through a couple of weird weeks uh, in, in the summertime about three years ago. It started out when I was playing against a, a in a tennis match actually against my friend Pete Suzios, who was on our last podcast. So shout out to Pete. Um, that's how I met Pete actually, and we were playing in a summer match. It was really hot, but I was just so exhausted to the point where I knew something was kind of wrong with my body. Uh, and then over the next about five to six days, I lost about 16 pounds. Um, and f- from there, I just I just knew something was wrong. I was constantly thirsty. I was drinking water like crazy. I was having to go to the bathroom like 10 times a night. Like it was it was something was way off. Um, I almost actually almost crashed my car driving because I was so tired when I was driving to the U.S. Open one time. Um, so it was a little bit dangerous, quite honestly. Uh, and then one morning I woke up and I said, you know what, this something's just wrong with my body. I need to take myself to the hospital, took myself to the ER. They, you know, asked me for my symptoms. I told them what's going on. They pricked my finger, asked me, Hey, are you diabetic? I said, what? No. Uh, and then my blood sugar was at about 500, which if you're for our listeners here, uh, an average person's blood sugar is anywhere between basically 80 and like maybe it'll spike up to a maximum of 140 after you eat something. So yeah, I was at 500. So it definitely was not a good spot. 
Yeah, that's like a crazy story to me is it's just like, oh, yeah, like you almost die. And that's how you find out that you have type 1 diabetes. Like It's literally just like, oh, yeah, right up to like the river sticks. But then you don't get in with the boatman. You just like go right back up to earth. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally someone hands you a freaking pen of insulin. They're like, nope, not yet. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just it's really crazy to me. And it's. Um, you know, I think Marcus, another crazy stat that you told me was like the stuff about Finland, I believe is the country that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Finland has the highest, um, per capita of type one diabetic cases per capita. Yeah. Um, they, they think it's actually due to them being too hygienic, uh, and something also in the drinking water. Um, definitely interesting to check out. Yeah. There's a lot of like really interesting literature around type one diabetes, um, because it's just such like a perplexing i think um ailment like for the human body like we and then we still just don't know enough about it it seems like so no there will be never enough um and i mean you constantly learn every day too so i'm sure Sarah's learning to deal with it better every day but you know like you mentioned before frank this could also and i'm not saying i don't want to use this as an excuse for him due to his outbursts like when he's like you know slamming his racket against like an umpire's chair but Lower high blood sugars, depending on the case, can also make you extremely emotional. Um, you can have some temper tantrums. I've gotten a little bit angrier when my blood sugar's uh, a little bit higher than normal. I've, you know, I didn't hit my chair, uh, hit my racket against someone's chair or something. But um, it kind of it can explain a few of his altering play and emotions on court. Just wanted to make that clear to people that it's not as simple as you know, oh, I'm just going to keep this thing in range and that's it. No, it's a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's uh, it it is it's quite a quite the quite the beast, quite honestly. So I think the last question here to wrap this up is: Now that Zverev has come out as being a type one diabetic, do you think that this is gonna alter his tennis play in any way? Do you think that now he'll be able to be a little bit more open, like saying, "I need to go like take an insulin shot," like I need to go like do like X Y Z like thing on court now that it's all in the open and he's not trying to hide something from everyone yeah i think it'll be relief um i remember when i was diagnosed i didn't tell a lot of people for a while i mean i told you frank because you're a really good friend of mine but a lot of people i just tried to hide it a little bit you know from it quick interjection um i was such a good friend to marcus that (laughs) i knew that he would not want a pity party unlike you know the bs that all of these other chumps were giving him and I Correct. decided to start absolutely ripping him for it on a constant basis. Yes, he has flamed me repeatedly. I am at this point just completely burnt. So uh, thanks for that, Frank. Um, uh, yeah, so, some of the comments are not PG. You're welcome. It's called Battle Hardened, and uh, you're welcome. Like I said, why? Did you want me to go? The bur- Honestly, the worst was when Marcus posted his little Instagram thing coming out as a type 1 diabetic. And I commented on it, and I said, "This is a really weird way to attention grab." <laughs> yeah, Frank. Frank's ruthless. People, he's freaking ruthless. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's awesome. But uh, but yes, Marcus, you, carry on with what you were saying about our lovely friend Alexander Zverev. Right. So besides the point that Frank's a, a ruthless friend, um, I think it's a big relief for him, Frank, not uh, just as a tennis player and also a person. Right. It's finally out there. He can dis- he feels confident enough to talk about it. Uh, it takes a while to actually do that, like I was just saying. Um, and now when he's on court, 
he doesn't got to hide it, right? So he I, he was always, if you noticed on changeovers, he was he had kept the phone in his bag really low, was like low-key checking it. Um, I've actually never seen him take an insolent shot or a break. Generally, you don't really go high during matches. You generally tend to drop lower uh, depending on the situation. So you see him sipping on some Powerade. You don't really notice because other players are doing that too. But I think it's going to be a little bit easier for him in case he actually does run into an incident or someone asks him something. Um, you know, he can be like, hey, listen, you know, this is my diabetes device. I got I to take care of this. So I think it's just a big kind of, uh, it's just a load off of his shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about like the mental side of it, but absolutely that's going to play a factor. Like it's just one less thing to think about while you're on the tennis court, which is always a big, big positive when you can do that. But I was just even thinking of like the resources that'll be available for him, right? At all these tournaments and medical staff, everything. Like I'm sure some of them knew um, that he made them, like he made them aware. But you know, now for it to be, I think, so out in the open, I think will make it a lot easier for him to sort of be able to rebound if he does have, you know, a spike one way or the other, which um, which is good, and that's how it should be. And nobody should ever feel like they have to hide some sort of medical ailment. Uh, in order to be a professional athlete like that's just you know that's ridiculous so I'm now if he were really cool that. he would get a tattoo of it like i did okay i'm not even gonna bother to rip you for that one it's just gonna <laughs> let i'm just gonna let that <laughs> um that is gonna do it for us here at breakpoint podcast we are super excited for the next two three weeks here we're gonna have a ton of awesome content for you uh, either from USCA sectionals, which is where I'll be in this weekend. Um, and then Marcus and I will have some really good stuff at the US Open. We're both planning on going a day together. So, you know, we'll have a full day of content there. We're going to have a ton of US Open, just just ton of US Open content, um, whether it be podcasts, videos, Instagram Live. We're going to go on TikTok as well, as we've mentioned. So please feel free to hit us up at Breakpoint Podcast 7, which is our handle on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And DM us uh, specifically on Instagram if you would like to be on the podcast or there's any topic that you'd like us to cover. As always, you can send us an email, breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com. Highly encouraged. to interact with you. <laughs> yeah, Marcus, will, Marcus will respond to the email. For if sure. If you sent him an email. For sure. Um, but other than that, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. See, See ya. you guys. Bye-bye.